and so thankful that God is able to use broken vessels. Messed up, flawed, and he still wants to use us. So thankful for that tonight. Well, uh, many of us would be aware of a comic strip um, which became a television show in the 1930s and it continued to air on television until the mid-1990s. It was about a man who, and you'll guess who it is in a minute, when he ate spinach, gained great strength and it was usually got guns. And this cartoon was called Popeye the Sailor Man, that's right. So for those of you who are too young to remember that, I'm actually old enough to remember watching some of those. Um, I'm going to give you a very quick overview of, you know, what usually happened in each segment of this cartoon. In each episode, Popeye is invariably put into what seems like a hopeless situation. And these situations quite often involved the love of his life, his girlfriend, whose name was Olive Oil. And each time he was placed in these situations, he would usually take a beating of sorts. Someone would bash him up. And then right when you think that he's defeated, he speaks out the words that many of us would also know. That's all I can stand. I can't stand it no more. And his grammar wasn't that great, so we'll just pass on that. But <laughs> and then he'd eat spinach, which is gross, and would get superhuman strength, and he'd go in and save the day and use his superpowers. And you're thinking, what in the world does this have to do with the Bible? Well, I didn't come here tonight to uh, take us on a wander down memory lane, but I do want to use Popeye the Sailor Man as an illustration to draw a parallel between him and our walk with God. Just like Popeye, there are moments in our lives where we have shouted, that's all I can stand, I can't stand it no more. And each of us can look back in our lives and see specific times where we had a Popeye moment. Many of us more than once. One of the, the ones you can easily be all uh, be remembering of is when we were saved. That's it, I can't stand it anymore, I need help. So tonight, with the help of the Lord, I want to minister for just a few short moments on a Popeye moment, or in other words, a holy discontent. Lord God, we thank you, Jesus, that we can be in your house tonight. And Lord, I feel your presence in this place so strongly, and I thank you, Lord, that you would come and meet with us. And Lord, I know your desire tonight is to minister in our lives and to change us and to challenge us, God. And I pray as your word goes forth that it would pierce God, that it would bring forth a change in our lives. And I pray that you would anoint your servant. God, have your way through this vessel, Lord God, that you may be glorified, that you might be lifted up in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Well, the word content means to be satisfied or happy with what you have or what you are, not wanting anything more. And the word content appears a number of times in the Bible. One of the more well-known is in Philippians 4, verse 11 to 12. And it says, Paul speaking, Not that I speak in respect of want, <laughs> for I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. I know both how to be abased and I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. And we read this scripture and we understand that Paul was speaking of this content about being satisfied or, or being, um, being happy, but to be at peace with what he had and whatever situation he was in to understand that God would supply all his needs. And each time the Bible mentions contentment as a good thing, it means to be understood as being content with material possession 
with our lives, with our, home, with our homes, our jobs, the material. And yes, Paul was content with what he had, with the supplies he was given, whether he had a three-course meal or just one little piece of dried bread, whether he had a roof over his head or whether the stars were his shelter. His circumstances in the physical did not determine his contentment. But you cannot read about Paul, read the books that he wrote in the New Testament and tell me that he was content with where he was in his relationship with God or content with the way the world was at that time. Paul may speak of being content in Philippians 4.11, but he writes only in chapter before in verse 13 and 14 about reaching forth and pressing towards the mark. He longed to know Christ more, to see him more clearly, to give more of himself and to see the gospel spread. And I wonder when we think of contentment, that maybe sometimes we confuse material contentment with spiritual contentment. We become content in the wrong aspects of our lives, like our relationship with the Lord, how much of the spirit we have flowing through us and how much of him we really know. When you are content, you become comfortable, satisfied with the status quo, and contentment brings with it a lack of action. Over the last few months uh, of 2015, my employer uh, paid a company to conduct satisfaction surveys for all our parents, staff, and some of our students. And uh, over the past month, my boss and I have been trawling through the many pages of feedback. And first of all, I don't know why they call them satisfaction surveys. <laughs> they should almost always be called dissatisfaction surveys. Because most people that filled in those surveys were dissatisfied or discontent with something within the school that they either worked at, attended, or sent their children to. to. And dissatisfaction will nearly always bring action. Have you ever noticed that uh, when you work in any kind of customer service, George, you'd understand this, you hardly, if ever, receive a letter or a phone call from someone stating how amazing you were and how good you were to them and, and the great job you did helping them as a customer. And part of my role at work is to take calls for the CEO. Great fun. <laughs> and I can count on one hand how many times I've taken a call or received a letter that says what a fantastic job we're doing. And I've been there for five years, so maybe once a year. But if you ask me to list the amount of disgruntled, discontented, dissatisfied people I have heard from, I would run out of fingers and toes ten times over. Discontentment with something will nearly always bring about some kind of action. If you're unhappy with the job you have, you go find another one. If you're unhappy with the service you received at a store, you complain to the manager. If you're dissatisfied with the suburb or the house you live in, you consider moving. However, these things are all temporary. These things won't last. And it's, no, it's not a bad thing to, to want to better yourself, to, to have a good job. Those kinds of things are not bad. But our goal is to make it to eternity and to see as many souls saved with us on the way. What we are holding on to is the hand of an eternal God, not a material, limited God. So if the most important thing in this world is the salvation of my soul and of the souls around me, why am I content with the status quo, with the ordinary? We sung it tonight. I won't be satisfied with the ordinary or the comfort of the known when it comes to my relationship with the Lord and souls around me that are headed for a devil's hell. 
the Lord has been speaking to us as a church and I believe with many of us as individuals about our contentment and our complacency with the Lord and his presence. And I ask the question tonight, with what aspects of your life are you discontented? Is it lack of spending money? Lack of the nicest furniture? Lack of nicer clothing? A better job? Do the material desires make you restless? Wanting you to work harder, get more money, move house, move job? Or are you discontented with the amount of time you give to God in prayer? Is it the fact that sometimes souls walk out of this door and we never see them again? Is it realizing that you don't really know that much about God? Thomas Edison once said, Restlessness is discontent, and discontent is the first necessity of progress. Show me a thoroughly satisfied man, and I will show you a failure. And they're pretty harsh words. But you see, when it comes to our relationship with the Lord, if we get to the point where we are satisfied with our prayer life, when we become satisfied with the current number of souls in this church, then we are well on our way to failure. It is a restlessness and a discontentment with the state of our present world that, as Thomas Edison said, it is the first necessity of progress. It is the first thing that's going to get us to start moving. Hallelujah. If we turn to Romans chapter 13, and we're going to start from verse 11. Romans chapter 13. We'll start at verse 11. And that knowing the time, that now, that's our national theme for youth, that now it is high time to awake out of sleep. For now is our salvation nearer than when we believed. The night is far spent. The day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. Let us walk honestly as in the day, not in rioting and drunkenness, not in chambering and wantonness, not in strife and envying, but put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ and make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lusts thereof. Romans 13, 11 says that it's time to awake out of sleep, out of our slumber. It is time as it were for a Popeye moment where we would decide that's all I can stand. I can't stand it no more. No more of our flesh ruling our lives. No more of the devil taking souls from us. No more depression. No more lack of joy. Hallelujah. Now it is time to wake up out of our slumber, out of our complacency, and get a holy discontentment and a holy restlessness within our souls that will not just inspire or enthuse us, but that will actually motivate us to action. I don't want to just talk about a powerful prayer life. I want to have a powerful prayer life. I don't want to just talk about revival, but I want to have revival. I don't want to just dream of a time when we have to move to a bigger building, but I want to see that happen in my lifetime. Hallelujah. 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 Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah. There was a young man in the Bible in his teens, that got to a place where he had had enough. He had a Popeye moment. And there was a restlessness and a discontentment stirring deep inside of him. We read about this moment in First Samuel chapter 17. The Israelite army were on top of a hill. Below them was this valley. And then on the other side, on the other hill, 
was the Philistine army. And they had a giant who most of us know as Goliath. And for 40 days, this Philistine giant would come out and he would challenge the people of God. He would say, come out, give me a man that I can fight. Is there really someone that can stand up to me because I'm so big and so strong and I'm just awesome? 40 days, every day for 40 days, over a month. And then enters David, one young man, not particularly built to fight. He wasn't even allowed to. He wasn't old enough. He didn't have any superhero powers. He was just one young man who became discontent with the way things were. And David is asked by his father to bring food to his brothers on the front line and to bring back word to his father of how the Israelites are doing. But while he's down there, day 41, Goliath, he comes out again. Day 41 of this stomach and he continues to trash talk the Israelites and their God. And David, who's probably been there for less than an hour, decides, no, enough is enough. Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? But he is told to shush, be quiet from his brother, who is obviously embarrassed by his scrawny, inexperienced brother. But David doesn't stop. He persists. There is something stirring inside of him. A restlessness, a holy discontent with this ungodly giant who thinks he can withstand the army of the God that he serves. And he says, is there not a cause? Is there not a reason? But he gets the same response again and again and again until he finally gets an audience with King Saul. And he says, don't you worry, Saul. Me and God, we got this. And we know that David with a small sling And a few tiny little rocks goes out and defeats that giant. And the Philistine army becomes servants to the Israelites. Forty days those Israelites had been cowering in fear, trembling at this one man's bellowing, allowing this giant to talk rubbish about them and their God. And all it took was one young man who said, that's all I can stand. I can't stand it no more. I've had enough. I'm not listening to this guy anymore. He needs to be quieted. David had a Popeye moment. He didn't quit when one brother told him to be quiet. Instead, he continued. He became restless. And to be restless means to be averse to inaction. It is the inability to remain motionless. David could not sit on the sidelines and see his people be defeated. Hallelujah. There was another man in the Bible who became restless and discontent with his current situation. A man who at the time was actually in captivity, but that didn't stop him from seeking the Lord. This man was called Nehemiah, and he was the king's cupbearer. And at this time, word was brought to him that his people were in great affliction, and the wall of Jerusalem, their beloved city, was broken down. But instead of wallowing in self-pity and getting depressed, thinking that there was no way to fix this problem, he sought after God. He wept, he fasted, and prayed before God, and he asked God to help. He asked God to forgive them and to make a way that he could go back and rebuild. And the Lord answered his prayer, and by a miracle, the king allowed him to go and repair the wall of Jerusalem. Nehemiah had had enough. His beloved city had been destroyed, and it was time for him to get back in the game and repair what had been broken. 
And church, I am sick and tired of the devil coming in, stealing, killing and destroying all that he can. It's time that we got a little restless and decided that enough is enough. It's time that some of us got on our knees in prayer, not just for a little while, but truly sought after the will of God and the power of God to come in and help us to take back what the devil thinks is taken from us. It's time that some of us had a Popeye moment. That's all I can stand. I can't stand it anymore. No more, devil, you have played with me, my emotions, my family, my church, my mind. But enough is enough. I'm going to war. I'm going into battle and I'm not going to be content and comfortable with you just walking in here and having a free reign. It's time for us to go to war and to fight. I cannot remain motionless anymore and see the people of God defeated. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah. Matthew 11 and 12 says, and from the days of John the Baptist until now, The kingdom of heaven suffereth violence, and the violent take it by force. And there are varying ideas as to whether or not this verse means that violence is brought upon those in the church, or whether it means to violently take a hold of the gospel message. But whether it means one or another, we must be earnest in our approach to the kingdom and to the things of God. Hell will oppose you at every step that you make. And if you are not absolutely determined to give up the things of this world and to take a hold of the things of God, you will struggle to survive. But if you start to get a little fire inside of you, a little restlessness and a discontent for the state that this world is in and maybe the state of the things in your own life, you are able to stand and to fight. Hallelujah. 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 There is a scene in a well-known movie called The Lord of the Rings. We've all heard of it. And there is a battle coming, an army on its way to destroy the realm called Rohan. And there are men in the palace discussing what is to come with, uh, with the king, King Theoden, I think his name, the ruler of the area. And the men that are with the king tell him that he must fight, that he must meet his enemy head on. And King Theoden responds with, I will not risk open war. And a young man by the name of Aragorn responds with, Open war is upon you, whether you would risk it or not. Church of the living God, we are in a battle. Whether you believe it or not, we are at war. We are at war in the spirit and it is time that we got on our knees, got our swords and started fighting. 2 Corinthians 10, 3-5 says, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that thinks it can exalt itself against the knowledge of God and bringeth into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. We do not fight a physical battle. We don't have physical swords or guns, but we have spiritual weapons. We have prayer and the sword of the Spirit, the Word of God, and these weapons are mighty through God. They are mighty and powerful through God, and they pull down strongholds. 
Are there some strongholds in your life tonight that you've been trying to pull down? Have you been trying to overcome some struggles? Have you been trying to keep your own relationships together and it isn't working? We must go to battle for our families, for our church and for the lost. And we must fight in prayer and in the word. Whether you would risk going into open war or not, it is upon you. And you must make up your mind now. You must decide now. Enough is enough. I'm going to fight like never before and take back the things that the devil has been too easily taking from me. Hallelujah. 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 Ephesians 6 and 12 says, For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers and against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Now, if you read that verse on its own, you may start to be a bit fearful and think darkness, spiritual wickedness, powers, principalities. Sounds too much for me. But Sister Katerina reminded us last week when she was leading worship that we serve an almighty, all-powerful God. And he lives in each of us if we have the spirit of God. And we need to remember that nothing is too difficult for him. And with him, we are more than conquerors. Just a couple of verses before says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Not my strength, not by might, but by his. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. And verse 13 says, Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. To stand. Daniel 11.32 says, And such as do wickedly against the covenant shall he corrupt by flatteries. But the people that do know their God shall be strong and do exploits. The people that do know their God, they shall be strong and they shall do exploits. Mighty deeds shall they do through the power of God that they serve. And I don't know about you, but I feel a restlessness in my spirit. The Lord has placed a holy discontent within my soul and I believe within this church because he wants us to get to the same point that Popeye did and the same point that David did and the same point that Nehemiah did and say enough is enough. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. This morning, our pastor shared the goals that we have for our church this year and I'm not content with only seeing eight people baptized within water this year again. I know too many people who are headed for hell if I don't share the truth with them. And if we start fighting in prayer, if we start seeking the Lord, if we start reaching out to the lost around us, we can have people baptized every week, every day. Hallelujah. But we need to start to feel a restlessness in the spirit, a discontentment with the way things are. We need to become so dissatisfied with the status quo that it makes us act, that it makes us do something. And if we aren't feeling a restlessness, if we aren't feeling that in our spirit, we need to ask God to pour out a holy discontent within our souls. I challenge each of us tonight to start becoming discontented with the way things are. 
to become restless and unable to stay sitting in a pew doing nothing and instead step up, sacrifice some time and to start fighting. Too many times we have allowed the devil to walk into our lives and to steal our joy, steal our peace, steal our families, our love for the brethren and our love for the truth. And we need to stand up and say, that's all I can stand. I can't stand it anymore. I'm putting on my armor of light as we read in Romans and I'm going out to battle and I'm going to fight. I'm not content or comfortable to see another soul walk out those doors and never return. I'm not content or comfortable knowing that when I walk around at my local shopping center, there are thousands of people that have no idea of what is to come if I don't reach to them. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The people that do know their God shall be strong and shall do exploits. I want to get to know my God better so that I remember when I am in the midst of that fight that my God is powerful, all powerful and almighty and that same power is within me. Jeremiah thirty-two seventeen says, Ah, Lord God, behold, thou hast made the heaven and the earth by thy great power and stretched out arm and there is nothing, absolutely nothing too hard for you. Exodus fifteen six says, Thy right hand, O Lord, is become glorious in power. Thy right hand, O Lord, hath dashed in pieces the enemy. And Ephesians three twenty says, Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that works in me and works in you. Psalm 27 and verse 1 says, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Church, you don't have to be afraid tonight. God is your strength. If you know your God, you know you are able to get through whatever you're going through tonight because He is great. He is awesome. He is all-powerful. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. If I can have Sister Zdenka. On the piano. <laughs> Hallelujah, Jesus. You know, David, <clears throat> we spoke about him before. He was willing to go to fight that, that giant. But there came a point in his life, I don't know what happened, but in Second Samuel, we read about when David was at home. And there was a battle going on and he wasn't in the battle. He sat at home. And in that time, while his men were out fighting, when he wasn't with them, he fell into a great sin. He had a relationship with a married woman and then he murdered the husband so that he would never find out that she had gotten pregnant. David was at home. He wasn't in the fight. And we know that uh, the prophet Nathan came to him and said to him, you need to repent, and he repented. But in Second Samuel chapter 12 and verse 10 says, Now therefore, the sword shall never depart from thine house, because thou hast despised me and hast taken the wife of Uriah the Hittite to be thy wife. David should have been fighting. David should have been on the front line with his men like we should be. We need to be fighting. 
But if we don't fight that war, that war is going to come to our own homes, to our own lives. And it won't leave and it will destroy us. And so tonight, I want you to be encouraged to stand up and fight now. Don't let the sword come to you. Be on the offense. Fight before it comes to you. Stand and be strong. Isaiah 54, 17 says, No weapon that is formed against thee shall prosper. And Romans 8, 31 says, What shall we then say to these things if God be for us? Who can be against us? Enough is enough. I can't stand it anymore. I'm sick of not having joy and peace and love in my heart. Hallelujah. I want to see people come into this place and receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost. I want to see people saved every week. I don't want it to just be a surprise when this happens. It has to be an ordinary thing that we see people saved so often. We'd stand tonight. I just want to open this altar.